Now, my guest this morning, it's safe to say, is a, a pioneer of the alternative comedy scene in 1980s London, which went on to become the comic strip, The Young Ones, and the BBC's hugely successful Bottom and the live tour all around the UK and Ireland. Um, he is a long-lasting double act, had a long-lasting double act with, with the genius Rick Mayle and, of course, is has a long-lasting partnership with his wife, Jennifer Saunders. And he's one of a very small group of people who can definitely claim they defined British comedy in the 80s, 90s and noughties. And he's told his story in a book now called Berserker. Good morning, Adrian Edmondson. Good morning. Thank you so much can for I say taking the, uh, the uh, the relationship with Jennifer isn't in the past tense. It's still <laughs> yeah. ongoing. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Of course, of course, of course, my bad. Unless uh, you know something I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the book is called Berserker. Lovely to chat to you. I'm a big fan. I, yeah. I've followed your work uh, all my adult life. Yeah. Um, your book is called Berserker. Great word. Yeah. Uh, where did it come from? Um, there are two, two reasons it's called Berserker. One is I sort of um, kidded myself as a kid that I was a Viking. Uh, just because of my name and where I was born and sort of uh, an interest in uh, medieval history when I was when I was at school and sort of following the Vikings, you know, into, into Britain and that sort of stuff. But the other, the other sort of more pertinent reason is that um, I, I was sort of... Uh, something happened to me when I was a kid. I was, I was sent away uh, from my parents' house and uh, uh, I was the only sibling to be sent away. And... Uh, I, I, I realise in retrospect that uh, it, at the age of 11, 12, I, I, I sort of filled the void where my family should have been with a search for adrenaline okay. and excitement and thrills and, uh, and became a berserker. Okay, um, that's sort a of word. Desperate for it in, in a kind of slightly uh, unhealthy way. Do you okay, know what I mean? Yeah. So um, let's go back to your childhood a little bit because the book is a memoir and it, it does chart yeah. this story. Uh, your childhood, you've moved, your family moved around a lot. Yeah, my dad was a teacher for the... Well, he, he was a teacher, but he taught forces kids. So uh, we lived in Cyprus, Bahrain and Uganda. Wow. Um, and, you know, just different different school every year it was. It was quite a... Uh, I, think, I think some people call it peripatetic. Nice. Uh, I would call I would call it really, really, un, really useless yeah. <laughs> for making friends. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <clears throat> so uh, yeah. your parents then sent you off to boarding school, and they stayed on in Uganda. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They stayed there with the with, with my sister and my brothers. And why were you sent? Um, <clears throat> I was sent to a, a very minor uh, army oriented. Uh, public school in um, East Yorkshire, wow. Pocklington, uh, which sounds like a funny town, but isn't really. Uh, uh, and what? basically, um, I mean, a, a lot of my humour is, is sort of uh, based around slapstick and violence, and, and most of it comes from the kind of uh, non-slapstick, but, but incredibly violent yeah. <laughs> upbringing I had at that school. I mean, they had sticks, they, they had slippers, they, they had all sorts of things to hit you with. Um, one of them strung a conker and sort of just kept repeatedly hitting me on the head with it. Uh, it you know, it was it was a kind of very, very torturous place. Mm. Okay. Um, and I found think... the only kind of the, the only way to kind of deal with that was uh, to either buckle and sort of uh, blub and sort of go oh woe me, or, or the other way out was just to laugh at them uh, and and to find it funny, yeah. and, and that's what I did. So I, I found sort of. Uh, I found violence funny ever since, as you did can it, see from you the, the list of works. Did it make you tough as a kid? Um, 
No, I just think it made me berserk. Okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's any toughness in it. I was just wild. Um, and still am slightly. <laughs> it's, it's just sort of, you know, it tails off as you get into your 50s and 60s. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but I've, I've still got that kind of streak in me. Um, I mean, yeah, I have. Uh, it, it goes on. And do you think that time there made you re- repress express, expressing emotions? I mean, I, I think I know the answer to that question, but yeah, do you think? Yeah, it, yeah. absolutely, yeah. I mean, I had no idea, you know, I, I, I had no idea what love was um, until my sort of late 20s, 30s, really. Really? Um, yeah, kind of very confusing to understand uh, why anyone would ever really like you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Did you ever wonder why um, you and not your siblings were sent away? I thought it was... Um, I, I, my dad's dead, so I can't ask him, and uh, my mum won't, won't answer the question. Um, and um, sort of feigns, pretends that my dad made all the decisions. Who knows? Um, I, I, I sort of... I took solace in, in the philosophy of stoicism, eventually. Um, and the um, it's kind of like uh, CBT, and you you... You come to understand that you can't control what's happened in your past, but you can control what you think about it. Uh, you, you can't change what's happened, but you can change how you think. And you, you can sort of compartmentalize it and, and actually brush it away. And um, that's, that's what I've done in the end. How and would I'm you. Happy for that. You had a complicated relationship with your father then, would you say? Uh, yeah. I would say. Um, I think I was his. Uh, uh, I think that a lot of fathers do this. Uh, if they haven't achieved what they wanted to achieve in their own life, they sort of take the first son and and, and sort of try to make him have the life that they wanted. Uh, and uh, and I, I don't think I was uh, the right material for for being that sort of um, yeah. To, to aspire, <laughs> his aspirations were, you, were to be a to be an upper middle class person and okay. um, be cultured. So he had ex- you know, he had expectations of you. You think? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I, I failed those quite quickly, and um, and yeah, I think he just gave up. <laughs> wow. Now <laughs> I, I feel comfortable talking to you about this because I had a very complicated relationship with my father as well. Um, yeah. But I do think... He, a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah. I think of our generation maybe as well. Was yeah. he, did he, he never went to see your shows, your live shows, did he? No, he never came to any. Wow. Whereas in contrast, my father... Does that hurt? Um, <clears throat> well, I, I, I see... I, does it hurt? It, it, it didn't at the time because I was, uh, you know, I was fueling my myself with other things uh, you, yeah. you kind of you do replacements don't you for for things that are not, that are not there and it's only in hindsight that you kind of uh, sort it all out which is why I really quite enjoyed writing the book because it, it, it gave me the ability to kind of actually analyse what had happened in my life um, it, it must have he must have been funny, proud of you a funny thing happened in that in, in that first lockdown yeah uh, that happened when we when we were all kind of kept indoors uh, I, I, I realised that um, <clears throat> I really lent into it. I loved it. I absolutely adored it um, because it was the first time in my life that I'd stopped. It felt like since that time as a kid when I was sent off, I was constantly sort of slashing and fighting my way through life, trying to make things happen. And, and, and that, this forced 
stop uh, and I'm lucky enough to have a nice garden and I just started growing vegetables and it, it, it kind of I realized that there'd been a buzz in my head all these years and then it started to go away then wow and and that, that's that sort of gave me the impetus to write the book really so uh, kind of understanding that it's not it's not till something goes away that you understand what it was does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And you described here, and we'll, we'll move on from it now because I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm just fascinated by how you're speaking about this, but you said that you yeah. kind of came to a conclusion and made peace with the fact that you think your dad didn't really like you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think, uh, I, I can't, there's no other way of... Yeah. Um, I, I can't imagine that he would argue with that. <laughs> you have a much better relationship, ironically, with your father-in-law. I did, yeah. I mean, he, he's dead as well now, but he, he was—he was—he um, loved everything I did, and he was very proud of me and very kind of supportive. And I, I remember seeing him. He came to a bottom live show, and um, I, I could see him, and I thought, "Oh Christ, he's having a heart attack!" <laughs> and I th- I, but what he was doing was falling off his chair laughing. It was oh, it was so—he was such a warm-hearted, generous. You, you ever seen? Um, uh, I did uh, War and Peace a few years ago, right. and I played the old Count Rostov, and um, I based him on my father-in-law. Oh, wow. Sort of incredibly supportive, jolly, uh, you know, kind of uh, someone who loves their kids. You know, um, yeah, it's good to have a different role model. Yeah, amazing. Uh, and and then just to move on from the school years, but another thing that I read, which is fascinating, when you left school, the kids that you'd spent 10 years with, you never looked back, you never said goodbye, you just all left. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think that was? Well, because I think, I, think, I think it was a traumatic place. Yeah, of course. I had a band at, I had a band at school, and, um, and when that Friends Reunited thing happened, we, we sort of got the band back together again, man. Cute. And... Um, and it was a, it was an odd experience. I'm not sure I would repeat it, but uh, we did have a strange chat uh, about why we'd never kept up with each other. <laughs> and uh, my 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 old friend Ian, who played the guitar, said his his father sort of picked him up at the last day of school and sort of they packed everything in the car and everything. And he said, "Right, uh, do you want to go and say goodbye to all your friends?" and Ian just looked at, back at the school and said, nah. Wow. <laughs> so I think it's uh, hysterical. Because wow. I, it was, it was, I think we were all traumatised by it. It was, it, was a kind of, it was a kind of prison. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It so it's quite like a br- brutal, brutal... Well, why would anyone want to remember it? Yeah. Or anything that it was there, you know? And I love the way you link your slapstick comedy... To that, to those early stages in your life. But tell me about Soho in the early eighties and the comic strip club, which I I, I didn't realise that the TV show was named after the club because the club was actually a strip yeah. club where you had a comedy show. Well, we uh, we we rented a, there was a Raymond's Review Bar, which is oh, uh, I know Raymond's it, yeah, yeah. Uh, Raymond, what's, it, what's his name? Raymond Paul Raymond. Paul Raymond uh, was, was the man who sort of owned all those porn mags and everything, but he also had this review bar in Soho and. Uh, he uh, he had two theatres in it, and um, he had a strip show in one, and uh, we rented the other one and did the comic strip <laughs> instead. Uh, we shared the same bar, which was rather odd, because, you know, we were these kind of... Uh, uh, I mean, we weren't overtly political, but we were... Um, you know, we, 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 were, we sort of had the non-sexist, non-racist 
you know, ideology. Uh, but if you went into, into the season, the, the, the barmaids were topless. Yeah. You know, there was, a, there was an anomaly. Yes, there was a living <laughs> irony. <laughs> but loads of people came through that, that small little club, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I mean, the core of it was um, me and Rick, Dawn and Jennifer, uh, Pete Richardson and Nigel Planer. And Alexis Sale, that was the kind of core of it. But uh, Ben Alton came through there. And, uh, and the original Woke Brigade, would you say? The which? The original Woke Brigade. Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose Woke's the, the word used now. Yeah, yeah. But um, woke's sort of a weird, weird word, isn't it? Isn't it, yeah. yeah it it's, is. uh, <laughs> it's an attempt to put it down. Yes, you're right. Uh, but... Uh, People need to reclaim it. So you're doing you're doing comedy, the comedy strip, and then all of a sudden it kind of seems like it explodes because the comedy strip presents starts on Channel Four, and very shortly afterwards the young one starts on BBC. That what was yeah. that, that also, it flipped very quickly, didn't it? It um, well, it was as a result of Channel Four. I mean, that, it was the birth of Channel Four, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there was a whole kind of that that had a remit to make programs that hadn't been you know seen the like of before and uh here was this club with <laughs> uh, a load of people in it and so they 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 sort of commissioned us to write the comic strip presents series and uh there was a really good producer at the bbc called paul jackson and he um he he was uh, afraid of channel four creaming off all this uh talent and uh, and he sort of got the young ones commissioned at the same time and, and the first two episodes of the <clears throat> comic strip and the young ones went out within a week of each other it wow. was a in competition you know <laughs> with each other it was bizarre i mean my teenage uh head remembers five, the, the famous five the five go mad i mean yeah. so we quote lines quoted lines from that at school to sc- each other at school i mean we were obsessed with yeah. it. it was brilliant really brilliant yeah did, there was a pantry show the comic strip presents wasn't it i think yes. some of them were great you know but i mean that that was the beauty of it i mean it was, it was great that we were allowed to do that so you know some of them were much better than others um and no one remembers the bad ones <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, you know that's all right People it's funny the two that, I, that were mentioned here the, the, yeah, five go mad and bad news the, the spoof documentary about the, yeah. the hopeless heavy metal band Gee, brilliant yeah yeah yeah, which came out, I have to say, before Spinal Tap. Oh, well, Other people say, oh, people say, oh, bad news, the, the British Spinal Tap. And I say, no, Spinal Tap is the British, is the American bad news. Uh, but there you go. <clears throat> I mean, we were all copying. Eric Idle had done, had done the Ruttles, you know, with, um, uh, a couple of years before, maybe five years before. So um, it wasn't entirely new. And like John Cleese's Faulty Towers, there was only two series of The Young Ones. And for me, yeah. that The Young Ones was a, 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 a generation-defining comedy, from, certainly for me and my friends. It's only two series. Yeah. That was, that's like, wow. You don't remember much about The yeah. Young Ones, do you? It's 12 episodes. I didn't write it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it takes a week to make an episode. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> do the math. Yeah. <laughs> it, it took up about 12 weeks of my life, 14 weeks if you had a bit of, location filming and a bit of dubbing um <laughs> yeah. i've talked about it a lot longer than i've than, than it took to make that's interesting you know, isn't it it was a, it was a brief kind of burst of fire in my life and yeah. um 
I've sort of come to terms with it. I used to hate it. I used to hate the way it was so big, you know, and sort of loomed over everything else. But I think it's probably just the passage of time. I, you know, people understand that I do other stuff. Yes, 100%. Um, it's very, very, very hard to be defined by a hit. I know, I can, yeah, I know exactly what you, you're describing. And, and yeah. yes, but that, that, that no longer is the case, of course. But I, I really want yeah. to just uh, dive in a little bit about your relationship with Rick Mayle. Um, how did you meet? Yeah. Uh, we were on the, uh, we snuck in under the, <laughs> under the <laughs> wire and into the drama course at Manchester Uni. We both did really badly in our A-levels and uh, <laughs> we just sort of uh, pitched up at the same time with the same, we were the, we discovered we'd been the same people at school, at different schools, you know, we were the ones who did all the plays. We, our mums had packed us off with the same um Dressing gown. <laughs> uh, identical dressing gowns. Uh, sort of paisley pattern job that, from that was CNA. a sign. A sign, definitely. Yeah. And we each had a copy of Gorilla, the Bonzo Dog Doodah album. And we just sort of fell in with each other very quickly because, I mean, uh, a lovely bunch of people in quite a small department, but a lot of them were very serious. And um, and we, we sort of liked to undercut it all the time. And we kind of agreed on certain... We agreed that Waiting for Godot was the funniest play ever written, not not the most meaningful. You know, we, we found it hysterical. We, we found bleak comedy really, really, really engaging. Uh, we thought uh, the Roadrunner cartoons were better than Shakespeare, you know. And uh, that, that was a kind of our attitude. So, so we, we, we kind of bonded pretty quickly. And there was a kind of... Uh, it was it was the mid-'70s, and um, we... Uh, Equity, the Actors Union, was a closed shop at the time. You couldn't get in, you know, it was Catch-22. Couldn't get in if you were an act- unless you were an actor. And couldn't be an actor if you weren't in. It was weird. And there were kind of some some recognised routes into it. One was through theatre and education, and the other was through variety contracts. So we decided to go this route and try and get variety contracts by, by doing comedy. So we started doing lunchtime pub theatre. We never we never got the contracts, but we <laughs> but we developed this act, and um, and you know it kind of it paved the way for us in the end. I, I love that. But you- we sort of be, but so as I, I I kind of make the point in the book that we we came com, became comedians by accident. Right. It, I think if you got either of us on one side at the beginning of our first term there and said, "What do you want to be when you leave?" We'd have both said actor. You know, right. yeah, yeah. Well, Rick, Rick would have said sex god, but he 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 would have wanted to get there by being, uh, you know, an actor, Paul Newman or Robert Redford or something. I love that you described that you were in love with each other in a platonic way. Yeah, yeah, we were. Uh, we, 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 it's, it's a strange thing. This that, um, especially with Bottom. Bottom's the kind of the the kind of biggest. Uh, body of work that we we have, you know, there's three series and five live shows in the film, so it's quite a lot of writing. And um, we we spent an awful lot of time writing each other's characters. Right. You know, I don't know how old you are, but men of our generation, uh, yeah. Well, you 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 sneak in. <laughs> men of our generation are are kind of very bad at acknowledging yes. any kind of love yeah. for for their male friends you know Do you uh, it's all that? kind of absolutely yeah, yeah I, I i've been doing a kind of uh, live show to support this recently and 
I kind of end every show by saying, you know, if 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 if, if you can do one thing when you leave here that would make your life Im- immeasurably better, it's just tell your best male friend that you love him. <laughs> Use the word love. Say I love you. Oh, I you love know, that. It, it 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 kind of just opens up the world to you. Yeah. I, I a friend of mine came to me. Came. I was I was doing a thing at the RSC last year and. Uh, he came up and stayed, and uh, I was doing Scrooge. And he, uh, as he left the next morning, he, he, oh, he said, "Thank you for being my friend." <laughs> it was so lovely. Yeah, so touching. Yeah, that's really, yeah. really lovely. Uh, yeah. um, so I've loads of texts here. People, uh, um, hi, I just want to applaud Adrian's dramatic performance and save me chilling and unforgettable regards from Joe. Thank you, Joe. Love listening to Adrian yeah. Edmonds and his performance in War and Peace was unforgettable from Darren in Limerick. Loads and loads. I'm so uh, happy that I was homesick today yeah. to hear Adrian on your show. Normally I'd be teaching teenagers how to cook. Tell Adrian I'm so grateful for him for his comedy when I was growing up. He showed us in the 80s uh, repressed Ireland that other ways of looking at life are valid. Thank you so much, Adrian. Big kiss. That's very nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. I, I have to I ask mean, you about Jennifer. I'm a huge fan. Uh, yeah. you, uh, you felt it difficult. I'm going to just, I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase for you, but you say in the book that you've, you obviously found it very difficult talking because of school and what you've described, talking to girls when you were growing up. Yeah, is that fair yeah. to say? Absolutely, yeah. I didn't, didn't, yeah, we didn't have the first clue. Hard enough talking to blokes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. uh, you know, we we didn't have any contact with any any one of the other sex, you know, for until until we left at the age of eighteen. Suddenly, you got these kind of <laughs> repressed blokes, sort of hoping that if you just stand next to a girl, they might talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, whatever you did, you convinced her, and and you're still together. Well, but you, you know, see, the the, 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 the fun, the, the <laughs> what happened there was we started working with each other long before we ever got together. Ah. and I think I think that's what kind of did it for us. As a, um, <laughs> you know, we 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 were working on stuff for four years before before we 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 sort of became an item. Um, and I think knowing someone else first in on on a different level. Is a uh, is is a positive boon. Yes. Uh, do you, in the book you tell us? Do you want to tell us how how Jennifer sealed the deal? Um, oh, was she? <laughs> you know, for for a man who finds it hard to speak to women, I think yeah. she found it slightly hard to speak to men as well. Because okay. uh, I, I came out of the pub and we were filming somewhere and uh, and got into my car and uh, she'd left a, a cigarette packet under the windscreen wiper and uh and it just said adrian i love you love jennifer on it and uh that was the first first i knew <laughs> amazing so I've still, I've still got it oh wonderful wonderful yeah. frame that i hope it's framed battered uh, tiny little old thing gorgeous silk cut <laughs> so the, your book berserker is in shops now um, yeah. all good bookshops available to buy Adrian Edmonds it's been such a pleasure chatting to you thank you so much for your time this oh, morning yeah, it's, been, it's been lovely I really enjoyed it Brendan thank you very much thank you so much let's take a break 